Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 25. I remember being about five years old. Uh, probably about 9, 10 o'clock at night, and I'm standing there in the living room crying my eyes out. I'm crying because my dad has just headed out the door to go coon hunting, and he's not taking me with him this time. And I remember I'm sitting there just uh, sobbing and uh, telling my mom that I wanted to go, and the next thing I know, he knocks on the window, points at me, and says, get ready. And so he came back to get me, and I threw on my clothes as quick as I could, and I ran out the door, and he put me up in the truck, and he said, Now listen, the last few times I've taken you coon hunting, you've fallen asleep in the truck on the way there. So uh, no more falling asleep. You know, nobody's going to babysit you. you got to stay awake. And I remember I did my best. Now, I, I can't remember if I – I think I did fall asleep eventually after the first set or whatever, but <laughs> um, my dad was always great about taking me and, and my brother hunting different times and uh, have a lot of good memories with him. I remember one of my favorites it involves my brother. Uh, we went out, just out the ridge. We lived on uh, about 90 acres, ended up selling 20 of that, so had about 70 acres that we hunted on there mostly. And went out the ridge. There were some old well roads, and my dad and his buddy, I believe it was uh, Clifford, uh, was his name. Uh, dad uh, turned the dogs loose, and they took off running away. Dad had this new dog, and this dog was not very good yet. And um, uh, we were sitting there in the dark, and it was me, and my my younger brother, and uh, a buddy Ryan. Ryan was Clifford's son. We're just kind of sitting there. My brother is in between Ryan and I, and he's hunkering down, playing in the dirt. And I remember uh, my dad all of a sudden, he's like, what's that out in front of us? And he turns on his light, and it's that new dog. And that new dog takes off just running 100 miles an hour right at us. And before we could see what happened, he just completely barrel rolled my brother, ran into my brother. My brother did a back roll <laughs> and got up, his face covered in blood. This dog just waylaid him. And so my dad sent me to the truck and uh, was able to get a, a, a rag for my brother and got him back to the house. But... You know, I have a lot of good memories. Um, you know, my dad didn't take me out all the time, but there was a lot of times that he did, and I just always re- appreciated that about him. Uh, today, I thought it'd be kind of special and unique. I was actually having a hard time lining up a, a guest this week, and the thought kind of popped in my head that, hey, this this Sunday is Father's Day, so it might be kind of neat to do a tribute to, to our fathers and. So I, I was able to get some interviews lined up there with some of my buddies and had them tell some stories on their dads and some of their favorite hunts and memories. And so uh, today's episode is going to be a little bit longer, but I think you're going to enjoy this. Um, next week I'm going to be running like crazy. I'm a part of a thing called Mid-Ohio Valley Work Camp, and so we will be painting houses. We have 300 teenagers come in from all over Ohio, West Virginia, Pennsylvania. Some come up from Florida, and we paint houses for folks uh, that are elderly, disabled, can't do it themselves, can't afford to do it. And so we'll paint 25 houses in a week uh, starting next Monday. So next week there won't be a podcast. This will kind of be the podcast for uh, the two weeks. Um, But anyway, all that to say, uh, we're going to do a Father's Day tribute. uh, And I got my buddy Trav. He's going to tell some stories on his dad. And we have a very cool connection uh, through that. 
uh, through his dad. And then I've got my buddy Eric uh, telling stories on his dad. And then I've got Eric's dad telling some stories on his father as well. So uh, we got a lot of stories here kind of crammed together and a lot of different uh, unique scenarios. Uh, we're going to be talking about elk and grouse and deer and a little bit of everything. And I think you're going to enjoy this. So um, one of the things I'd encourage you to do is uh, maybe go on our Facebook page, and I'm going to make a post, obviously, with this, kind of promoting it. But if you've got a favorite story on your dad, um, a favorite story of hunting with your dad, or maybe your father figure, maybe it was your grandfather, or maybe some other guy that took you out hunting and kind of showed you the ropes, uh, go ahead and share that in the comments. Uh, I would love to hear kind of some, some of your favorite stories. Just go over to Shedding Light Outdoors on Facebook or on Instagram, either place, and look us up, and I'll have a post here that, that'll say, you know, Father's day podcast and you guys can leave your comments below i'd love to hear some of your stories as well if any of you'd like to come on the podcast have any interesting stories send me an email sheddinglightod at gmail.com always looking for guests just to kind of i'd love to have at least one guest a week if i can so anyway all that said we're going to go ahead and jump in uh i will start off with eric penrod eric's a buddy um uh, that i'm going to colorado with and uh, i'm going to start with some of his stories on his dad so here we go let's jump in All right, guys, I'm here with my good buddy. Uh, he's on the road, and I'm out here at a car dealership waiting for a guy to inspect my car so I can sell it to him, hopefully. But uh, regardless of that, I got my buddy Eric Penrod on the line. Hey, Eric, how's it going, man? It's going well. How are you, sir? Good. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? I just left Louisville, um, and I'm almost to Lexington. All right, so rolling down the road there. Um. Eric, uh, Eric and I, we met at, um, I believe we met at church, right? So at the yeah. Church of Christ, where we go now. And so Eric and I, we've been buddies for a while. Known each other for a while, but over the last couple of years, we started hanging out a lot more together, doing uh, all shooting bows. And um, he's been a contributor for Shedding Light Outdoors. And so, uh, Eric, tell us just a little bit about yourself, and then I kind of want to get into this subject of uh, Father's Day and some of your favorite hunts with your dad. All right, so I'm a 42-year-old bald man. Um, <laughs> I've had, well, I always brag that I've had 17 jobs since I've been out of high school, so I'm kind of experiencing a little bit of everything. Um, my Right now, my passion is traditional bow hunting, but I like everything, archery in general. Um, I'm, I really like uh, hunting what I call bobs, big Ohio whitetails. Um, big Ohio bus, and um, I've just always grown up out in the woods um, with either small game hunting with my grandpa, dad, going fishing with my other grandfather. It's it's just a place where I go to relax. I feel closer to God. I pray a lot. It's just a great place to be. Awesome. So uh, you you are also in the military. So did that for several years there, right? Yeah, I was an officer in the Air Force. I um, did several. I did a couple years there. I had a massive heat stroke and was medically retired. Okay. Yep. So I think I knew all that. Um, well, Eric, let's let's just jump right into it. We got a few stories today that we're going to hear, and um, I haven't talked to your dad yet, but I'm hoping to get your dad on the line too to hear some of his stories. But tell us a little bit about uh, hunting with your dad. Some of your your favorite stories that stand out to you. Um, man, there's quite a few. Um, there's, there was one, we were in Colorado, um, up on Monarch Pass, and with, when we first went, um, started, 
started hunting with my dad out there, bow hunting. We'd spend every afternoon up on Monarch Pass. We could see um, approximately four different basins, and we could spot, um, had a spotting scope. We could look around and just see where the elk were, so we had an idea of where to go the following morning. And one of these times, we had um, a big uh, cloud come in. My dad looked at me and turned, and he said, that cloud um, is going to hit us, and you're going to know us like to be in the middle of a storm. So <laughs> that cloud that cloud eventually worked around um, Cumberland, Cumberland Mountain, came around the side of it. It didn't go over it, and it hit where we were spotting. And it, um, he looked at me, and he said, just get up against the tire of the truck. And we went and we snuggled up the tire, and it was just a very unique experience. And we got wet, the sound of the wind, the being in the cloud with the lightning, that was an amazing experience. But, um, wow, that sounds like of, terrifying, actually. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of it, we got out, and it, we were cold and wet. And my dad looked at me, and <laughs> I remember him saying, you know what? You're kind of ugly, but I'm cold enough that we may need to start snuggling. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of them. Um, yeah. Another one was another time out there. My dad, um, his friend Rusty, and I were out elk hunting, and we were spotting same location, doing the same thing, and all of a sudden, my dad and Rusty started ribboning like like a frog back and forth, um, and I just looked at him dumbfounded. I couldn't believe they, we were so sleep deprived that we were doing crazy things. And that's one of the big ones. It's funny, like being out there in the woods. Some of the stuff that you start doing after a while of that, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just that was a good one. Um, another one was I remember um, I shot my first deer with a bow and arrow when I was ten years old. This was before Ohio had a um, draw weight um, minimum, and so I'm I am. Draw minimum because I shot it at the time with 35 pound compound, and I had a doe. And then they turned broadside in the cornfield. The doe I picked out was 25 yards, and I shot. And I don't think I've ever made a better shot in my life. Oh, wow. And the deer ran about 50 yards and fell over. And my dad was drilling me every time we went hunting. Is like Eric. If you shoot a deer, put an arrow where you shot it, and put an arrow where you last seen the deer. So I saw the deer fall, and I walked over, and I put an arrow in the ground where I shot the deer, and I walked over and got as close as I dared because I'd never been, never really experienced a close dead deer. So I stood about three feet away and hammered an arrow down the ground. And I remember looking up the field where my dad was hunting and him getting down the down. I was tree standing, walking. It was probably a 400-yard walk to me. And hmm. he, he came up with this great concerned face because he didn't know what to think. And he said, did you shoot one? I said, yeah. And he's like, well, did you, did you hit it well? I said, I'm pretty sure I did. He said, well, where's <laughs> the last place you saw it? 
So I was standing next to the arrow, and I pointed down, and he said, well, I happened to look down and see the big doe laying there, and I remember him picking me up and throwing me in the air as high as he could, and he screamed, you done it, you done it, you done it. And that, uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, unbeknownst to us, my brother, who was down about another 120 yards from us, had a little buck underneath his tree stand, and he was getting ready to shoot it. But when my dad started screaming, you got it, you got it, you got it, <laughs> he scared that deer off. Oh, man. <laughs> and when we, went to, when we went to get my brother, he was he was all mad and crying. said, you scared my deer. Go get it back so I can shoot it. Oh. So yeah. your brother would have a di- completely different way of telling this story, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it was. It was. So, that, so those are some of the cool ones. Uh, I've got a cool one with my grandfather's. Um, my grandpa Webb, on my mom, my grandfather on my um, mom's side, he's the one who kind of taught me most of the small game and fishing. Um, he would always take me the week between Christmas and New Year's growing up, and we would just go rabbit hunting for those days. Um, he, he taught me how to... You know how to beat brush to jump, scare rabbits. Um, one time, I was having a pretty rough day, and the dogs were chasing a rabbit, and I seen it come into a brush pile, and it was about ten, probably ten yards from me, and I seen the movement of it running underneath the brush pile, so I just pulled up and snapshot. Well, a rabbit came out the side that I was on and fell over dead. And unbeknownst to me, another rabbit from that pile went out and um, on the other side and fell over dead. So I killed two rabbits with one shot. And just the the elation and the look of pride on my grandfather's face, I think I was still uh, one of the stories he tells all of his old buddies, um, even though he's 86 now, about me. That's a cool one. Then my grandpa, um, Penrod, my first elk trip to Colorado, um, it was my dad, myself, and my grandpa Penrod and Rusty. So we had three generations of Penrod out there. And um, even though he didn't bow hunt, he went out and spotted. Um, he would he would run and drop drop us off at certain locations so we could walk back to camp. And it was just an amazing experience. Um, I said this, I think, the last uh, communion meditation I did, that he was the one that he took time during that hunt and taught um, and shared with me that the world was created fully mature. I had never thought of it at that time, probably wouldn't have if he hadn't explained it. But I will never forget the 10 minutes he took the time to explain all that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big... that. That's one of the things I remember about him. Hmm. Yeah, that's, oh, man, that's that's awesome. Sounds like you have you probably even have more stories that you could share if you wanted to, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I have tons. I have tons yeah. of stories. Yeah. Well, I have to get you back on sometime. I got to leave some room for the other guys, but I'll have you back on the podcast sometime. We'll talk some more, get some more of those stories from you. I'm excited. So I'm going. Eric is the guy that um, uh, graciously he and his dad have 
invited Travis Shire and I to go along with them on this elk hunt here in September. So you'll definitely be hearing more from Eric, and we'll be telling some of those stories. And I, I'm hoping there's some good ones to come here in uh, about mid mid September. So Eric, thanks so much for telling us some of those stories. Real quick, what I want to ask you just to kind of close is um, kind of getting more on like a personal side. You know, what what is um, what are some main things that your dad has taught you, or maybe what, what's something that just kind of stands out to you about uh, your dad and, and who he is? He always, um, always, always, um, he always, always wanted to um, enforce in me, do the right thing no matter what the consequences are. Hmm. He's, he said sometimes the right thing's a difficult thing, sometimes the right thing's the easiest, the easy thing. But always do the right thing, hmm. and so that that one. And then when I got married, um, he he pulled me aside on the wedding day, and he said, "Eric, he said you got to be a better husband than I was, and I want you to be a better dad than I was." And hmm. I that kind of set the bar high because I thought really highly of him. Yeah. And yeah, um, those were those are things that I remember for him, kind of like pushing an integrity or moral standard on me. Absolutely. Oh, that's great, man. Those are good good words of advice, and uh, I like your dad. He's a good guy. I've enjoyed getting to know him over the last year, and so really excited for September. Buddy, hey, have a safe trip, and thanks for coming on and, and sharing some of those stories, man. All right. Have a blessed day. All right. You too. We'll talk to you later. All right, guys. Uh, earlier, I talked to Mr. Eric Penrod, and now I'm on the phone uh, with his dad, Greg. Greg, how's it going, man? Real good. Good. Thanks for joining me on the line. Uh, Greg, uh, give people a little introduction into who you are and where you're from and all that good stuff. Oh, I live in southeast Ohio. I have all my life, 64 years old. Right now, I'm in the first year of my retirement after 43 years in the gas pipeline industry. So, Cool. How's the retirement going? Going great. <laughs> I called you earlier, and you were up in, uh, was it Amish country with your wife? Yes, yes. Uh, so you said you had to get those uh, honeydews in before Colorado, right? <laughs> happy wife, happy life. There you go. Good motto. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we, we heard some good stories earlier from, from Eric, so I thought it'd be cool to kind of talk to you. And, and I know um, a little bit, you know, I've gotten to know you over like the last couple of years here and know you uh, going out to Colorado with your dad. Um, so I thought I'd just see if you had some stories you care to share with, you know, Colorado or any type of stories about uh, hunting with your dad, just kind of an honor of Father's Day. Okay. Uh, the first time went out was in 1971. He took me out of uh, high school in my senior year. Uh, went out for two weeks rifle hunt. Uh, he took me to the same area that you and I are going to be going in this fall, and that's part of the reason I want to go back. Just kind mm. of a last point. Uh, yeah. Had a great hunt. One of the, there's three of us out there. One of the guys got an elk. I missed a big old six-point up in there on the seventh day. could shoot a rifle worth a hill of beans, but uh, <laughs> that that was a very good year uh, for me as far as memories are concerned. Uh, give me uh, one of the times that I really enjoyed being with him. 
had he been out there before that, Greg, or was that the the first year he had gone? He went out in '66 and hunted on the other side of uh, the unit, actually in another unit to the west of where we are. Okay. And uh, he went with a couple cousins of his in '66 on '71, and then after that. 71 he rifle hunted that same area we're going to every year up until 81 when i started when we switched over from rifle to muzzleloader okay gotcha and then we hunted uh four times i hunted four times a muzzleloader with him and the last time was in 87 and had a real good hunt with him that year. It was me and him and uh, his brother, my Uncle Jim, and he lives right next to me right now. Mm. But uh, We was out there and hunted hard, got into a lot of elk. Uh, At the time, it was over the counter and we could hunt a couple different units. Got into a lot of elk. My uncle got his first elk, which was a cow, He'd been out there like six times with rifle and muzzleloader before he got an elk. Hmm. So we got that, and then on the seventh day that that year, uh, we went pretty well close to where we're hunting and uh, got into a herd of bulls. And I got those small bulls. Got a large uh, largest bull was a four by five, which I got uh, that day, and. I got a lung shot on it, run up to Dad, and Dad got kind of a frontal shot onto it, and was able. And the sad point is that was the last time we all kind of together out there seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but I got a lot of good memories up in that park, and I plan on seeing that this year here when we're out there. So. Yeah, you, you kind of mentioned that's kind of been a bucket list thing to get back out there. It's been a few years since you uh, you and Eric went out, and so trying to get back out there to where you went with your dad and uh, experience some of those those memories. So, uh, yeah. any other uh, any other stories that stand out to you? Uh, the stories themselves of the time. Uh, we did a lot of grouse hunting when I was younger around home here. Uh, we had we lived on a farm, and either we would get up on a Saturday and grouse hunt till noon, and then work on the farm in the afternoon, or vice versa. Usually every weekend we did it. It was kind of kind of a lifestyle, either that or uh, for a while we had rabbit dogs who would hunt uh, those. Uh, we did a lot of uh, deer and shotgun and drives, but. Uh, it it seemed like that hunting was involved in everything. Usually every weekend we went out at least once. And uh, when I left that elk up there in that time, I was just starting to get into bows. And mm-hmm. I thought, I might have been able to get this elk with a bow. And then I wanted to try that. kind of regret the fact that maybe I could have got a couple more hunts into it with him out there. Before I made the switch, but you know, when you make a decision, there's always a counter decision. Yeah, uh, not getting those hunts with him in with him is he was not a bow guy. 
he would not have no. He shot one deer with a bow, but bow to him was something that you carried out to scout for the real game. Okay. And so uh, he was it really wasn't encouraging either for me to do the bow hunting. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of say it now because it took me away from him. So, right. Mm. Uh, so you have some choices there that you got to make, and so, um, well, you know, I, I think um, it's kind of neat, you know, a lot of the time that you did get to spend with him out there in the woods and enjoy that. So, you know, we talked, if you have any other stories, feel free. I don't want to cut you off. I was just, I asked Eric this question. I thought it might be interesting to ask you. Is there any, like, major things that you just remember sticking out to you that your dad taught you? Maybe not just about hunting, but just life in general. Uh you know, just keep after it was probably the biggest thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Just stay with it, and things will, you know, things will work out in and of themselves. You, mm-hmm. you put in the time, and it it will do it. Work work yourself to get through it. He wasn't much of a talker as far as philosophy to give you some ideas on there. He was mm-hmm. more of a doer. Uh, he was a machinist by trade mm-hmm. and worked for Newark Air Force Base. And he tried to show me a lot of that stuff. And I guess I was a little too hard-headed to learn it uh, on a machine, <laughs> machinery point. But he was more into showing you how to do something than, te- than to give you some philosophies with it. It's one of the things I've tried to do different with my sons. Uh so, Greg, uh, we had um, Eric on a little bit ago, and he kind of told some stories on you a little bit about his first deer. Uh, you, uh, just, uh, you know, I know it's Father's Day, but it's also, you know, father and son there. So you got any stories on Eric that you care to share? <laughs> well, that one was uh, very special to me, the one that he, he said. Uh, it was... Kind of said something to how well he would follow instructions when he stuck the arrow next to the deer that's like into the field. That was very important. But there's another one, and it really says a lot about, to me, about his character. And one time he was, uh, let's see, he'd been about 16 years old. And we, I was out hunting, and he was out hunting, and he hit a deer. And come back, and he told his mom, and the mom said, well, you better go find it. Worst thing could have, he gut shot it. Mm-hmm. And so he took his brother out, and they went about 200 yards and jumped it. Mm-hmm. Um, I come back and heard the story and went out there with flashlights and started following along with him. He and I, his brother, tracked that thing till 1 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And was tired, and he was disappointed. And I told him, I says, well, Eric, let's go back to sleep. We'll come back here in the morning, and we'll find it. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, we're not going to find this, but I'm not going to give him the bad news. We went out the next day at the morning. We started tracking, and probably went another 150 yards from where we last had blood the night before. And I walked up on it. And the back hams, it was a small doe, back hams had been eaten clear off by a coyote. Mm. And I 
looked at him and I said, there's your deer. I said, you've got two choices. I said, you can either tag that deer or we can turn and walk away. And he looked at me and he says, Dad, I made that decision to let the air go. And Hmm. my head swelled big time and thought, he's doing a better job at uh, ethics than I am. So, (laughs) it's one of those times where the son taught the dad, you know, Hmm. you you tell your kids this all along, well, it's soaked in pretty good. Hmm. And, uh, Kind of an interesting story with him. We've had a lot of little similar ones on our hunts, uh, tracking deer, hunting deer, and everything else, but that one stuck into my mind very good. Well, that's awesome. You know, those are some good stories. I'm I'm absolutely honored uh, that you guys would let me and Trav kind of tag along with you guys this year. Of course, we're getting there a little bit earlier than what you guys are, so we're going to go out there and kind of experience it, but we, you know... um, but I'm just glad that we get to go out there and kind of go back to that same area. It's, you know, it's it's always cool to go to a brand new place that's never been. But the fact that there's history that you guys have out there, I think that's what's going to make it extra special this year. Yeah, he and the way I'm looking at it is okay. Dad kind of fell into this area, and how he found it, he stopped into Gunnison, the wildlife uh, division of wildlife, and they pointed us towards this area. They said mm-hmm. it was under hunted at the time. Mm. Don't and tell. Like, don't 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 get too specific. People will start taking notes here. Yeah, <laughs> not, uh, but that was in '71. Uh, yeah. So that got us into there. So yeah. It, and so he kind of fell into it, and then I was tagging along the first time, and then he went along, and he ra- he became good friends with a guy who hunted that regular who was from Colorado and hunted with horses. And uh, they just kept learning, exploring, and exploring, and learning. So, uh, you know, you're going to be the benefit of some of that information. Absolutely, yeah. And that's, I think that's part of the reason I just feel that excitement, honored, like I said, just the fact that I'm kind of coming in and you guys are giving me intel and information on an area that you've been going to since the 60s. I mean, not too many guys going out their second year of elk season or second year of elk hunting get to experience that. So really looking forward to that. Well, Greg, I um, appreciate you coming on and just kind of sharing some of those stories about your dad and, um, you know, good memories and things like that. So thanks so much, man. Have a good evening. All right. We'll talk to you later. Bye. All right, guys, I have uh, my good buddy. Uh, I haven't had him on the podcast yet, which is kind of surprising. His name's Travis Shire. You heard me talk about him. He's part of Shedding Line Outdoors. Went to college together. Trav, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, Trav. Yeah, so uh, talk a little bit. Uh, So we met in college and all that, but tell people a little bit about uh, yourself and where you're living and all that good stuff. Sure, yeah, I live in New Concord, Ohio, and um, right in the heart of deer hunting country, so I I enjoy that. (laughs) But I uh, uh, I work a construction business. I remodel for a living and happily married to my wife, Leah, and we have two dogs. And uh, just pretty, God's really blessing me right now. So uh, life's, uh, I'm getting older. I, I get some muscle aches and stuff, and I can tell that the, <laughs> the 30s are creeping up on me for sure. Uh, is it the 30s or is it Eric giving us all these challenges? Well, you know, yeah, I think Eric that's, that's probably, 
<laughs> Eric said we wouldn't like him come June, and, and the the workouts are definitely getting tougher. But. Yeah, there's some weeks he'll send us something, and we're just like, I don't know if that's even physically possible. Like, so, <laughs> I know it. <laughs> so well, that's awesome, man. Yeah, it's, uh, you and I have known each other for I don't know, see, it's been since 2000 and what, like 2004. So, yeah, 2004. Uh, and we started hunting shortly after that together. I think you came back home with me, and um, so wanted to kind of dive into. Uh, we got a lot of stories that you and I could tell personally, but we'll save that for another day. I wanted to dive into. I know that your dad. I uh, was a big hunter and still is, and so I thought I'd just kind of see if you had any favorite stories for you to share about Mr. Uh, Phil Shire. Yeah, my dad, I, he is my biggest influencer in, in the hunting for sure. He taught me the most, and if, if it wasn't for him, I may not have got into it, but um, he taught me, and now I probably have the bug, the hunting bug worse than he ever had. So <laughs> we're, uh, we'll start from the beginning. I got three three stories I'd like to tell you. And uh, we'll start with the beginning. When I was 11 years old, um, my dad bought me my first shotgun, and we, we went hunting that that um, gun season. And my dad was pushing deer to me, and he pushed a, a doe to me, and I shot her. And it ran back towards him, and he actually watched that doe go down. And <laughs> so so that was kind of exciting for the first first deer ever. So the next year rolls around. This is a story I want to get to. So the next year rolls around. I'm 12 years old. And it's opening day of gun season, blue sky and uh, perfect temperature on the 40 degrees. We're sitting by a big tree, base of a big tree next to each other, my dad and I. And I remember that morning because we were actually under some turkeys that were roosted. So I'm 12 years old, and the sun's starting to come up, and these turkeys are flying off the roost above me. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? So that was really exciting. I can remember that very clearly. But the the cool thing is, I don't know, about 8 o'clock, there's a seven-point basket rack that's making his way right to us we're set up on a, a travel corridor and that, that buck gets about uh, 25 yards away and it, it sees us so my dad's like do you have a clear shot and i was like oh yeah yeah because my confidence was so high because i killed the, the doe the year before so i i shoot and i miss the miss the buck and he bounds away he's he's maybe 60 70 yards out he he turns around to look back at us and my dad shoots and drops him shoots him right in the neck and drops him right there so <laughs> i he he's he's still cleaning up after me i'm only 12 yeah yeah so, yeah <laughs> anyway so he, that happens we we field dress that buck and we're actually standing there chit-chatting and i hear something in the leaves behind me and uh i thought it was a squirrel and he said well there's two deer right there sure enough uh two does run up i don't know 30 40 yards from us they have no idea we're there he's like well get your gun up and, sh-. and so i get my gun up and I shoot. Of course, my confidence was sky high because I, you know, so I missed that deer. <laughs> and uh, and as it's running away, it's running up the hill, I don't know, 75, 80 yards. My dad shoots and drops that deer on the run. So, <laughs> so I've missed two deer, and he's he's dropped them both uh, one shot after I'm done. Mm-hmm. So that was quite the memorable, um, the memorable hunt right there. And it was very humbling. I shot my gun later, and I realized I was flinching a lot. I I've since got that under control, but that, I mean, that's just amazing to, to my, I was, my, my dad was like a superhero after that hunt. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, that's the first story. The second one, um, so I wanted to, I was 17 years old and, uh, I wanted to shoot a deer with a bow. I'd shot several with a gun and, uh, my, my dad hunted with a crossbow because, well, let me tell you this first. Actually, my, my dad, uh, grew up and even at my young age, he hunted with recurves and longbows and he shot several deer with the traditional equipment. Um, then he had shoulder surgery and started 
hunting with a crossbow. And uh, of course, I wanted to use the crossbow. I'm 17 years old. I can I can do that. But he he set the the stipulations that I needed to kill a deer with a recurve or, or a longbow before I could actually use the crossbow. So of course, I was like, wow, this is going to be tough. But that summer, um, he he helped me uh, scout out a tree, and we we hung the stand in a cherry tree that split three ways, and I was in the middle uh, middle trunk of that. And I never did get picked out of that tree. It was a really good spot. But my, well, I got to tell you this about my dad. Since we're talking about dads, my my dad is a climbing machine. He um, <laughs> he he. There's never been a tree that he looks at and he says we we can't get a stand in it. Every tree he likes the gnarly trees and the and the ones with a lot of cover. So, but but so you know that. But he he told me when he was growing up, he would actually climb like uh, saplings that were a few inches in diameter. He climbed straight up them, maybe, I don't know, 15, 10, 15 feet until they started to bend over. And then he he would actually ride the bend back to the ground on those saplings. <laughs> and I can I can also remember I played baseball growing up, and someone hit a foul ball, and it went and lodged in the chain link on the backstop, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 feet off the ground. Next thing I know, I look over my my dad has shimmied up this backstop, and he's 30 feet in the air, and not and takes his ball out of the chain link fence, and then shimmies back down. So, so now that you know that about my dad, it, I, I, I really, um, I think I picked that up because I, I like hanging tree stands and stuff too. But so anyhow, we'll get back to that story. <laughs> so we we hang this we hang this uh, stand on a trail leading to an alfalfa field, and I practice all summer with my recurve. I actually shot a couple groundhogs, and um, so I was feeling good, and the button buck came in, and I missed it the first shot, and then I actually shot it through the ribs on the second shot, and as soon as I got shot the deer, I didn't even go track it. I went back and got my dad, and uh, he, he tracked it with me, and we found the deer, and uh, the interesting part is uh, we he, he killed his first deer with a bow with that exact same bow, uh, it was a button buck, and then I killed my first deer with a bow with that same bow. It's a bear magnum, uh, Kodiak magnum. So that's kind of neat. I don't know. That's kind of special. I'll probably never get rid of that bow, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> yeah. So um, he's been a big help there. And then um, are we doing all right in time? Yeah, go ahead, man. Okay, well, i got one other interesting thing, too, because uh, when I my, – of course, there were, there were recurves and – laying all around my house when I was growing up and I was, I was 10 years old and uh, it's not about me, but it gets to my dad here in a minute. So it's a little bit about me, but so I was 10 years old and there was a groundhog out in the field behind our house. So I, I belly crawl and sneak up to this groundhog and I, I end up getting an arrow in it and he runs back in his hole. So I, when my dad gets home that night uh, from work, I, I said, dad, I shot a groundhog and he ran in the hole. So he doesn't even hesitate. He he gets a shovel and we dig that. He helps me dig that groundhog hole up, and sure enough, there's my groundhog with the arrow stuck in it in the bottom of that hole. So it was. Uh, he was kind of shocked. He was like, "Are you sure?" But it was. Uh, he, he never he never hesitated to help get me out of a jam like that. Um, yeah. So I got uh, I got one more story. Um, okay. It's actually. Uh, you got one. I've got one too. So go ahead, go ahead. I got I got one with your dad as well. Okay. All right. That sounds good. I'll, I'll do this one. This is the the buck I killed last year. So 
it's it's changed. He used to take me hunting, and now my dad he tells everybody he's like, well, Travis is going to take me hunting this year because it's like I'm he's he he actually kind of tries to play the role of the kid now, and uh, I'm his supervisor. But I don't know. He he probably still knows more than me. But uh, anyway, so we got this farm that we hunt, and there's two big blocks of timber, and there's a fence row between the two blocks of timber, and the fence row is actually a double fence, so there's maybe, I don't know, 10 feet between the two fences, and it's all grown up with tall weeds and brush and, and briars and stuff, and deer always travel along that edge between the two blocks of timbers, and one side of the fence is pasture, and one side of the fence is an alfalfa field, and we've, we've hunted tree stands around there before, but we've never been in the right spot in the tree because there is no, no good trees to hunt that spot. So um, anyway, we get the idea next last November. Why don't we just sit down and why don't you sit down on these weeds, Dad? Since the deer are always cruising by here, he's like, okay, okay. So he, he I'm not with him, but um, I, I helped him pick the spot out, and then he goes out to hunt in a November afternoon. And about 30 minutes left the shooting light. Um, there's a nice buck he sees cruising out in the field, maybe 75 yards, just walking through the field looking for does. So my dad grunts at him, a couple of soft grunts, and the uh, the buck doesn't respond. So he lets out some really loud, I guess you would consider them roars, maybe four or five second grunts. And the the buck uh, freezes, and he bristles up, lays his ears back, and he walks 75 yards stiff-legged until he is just a few feet on the other side of the fence in front of my dad. So this, this buck is um, maybe five yards, if that, from my dad. With his ears laid back, his eyes rolled back in his head, bristled up. And my dad told me, he's like, I'm pretty sure he was going to jump that fence to cross that fence. And he would have landed right on me if he would have jumped that fence. Of course, of, of course he had the, my dad had the wind in his face. But um, what made that work, I think, is the deer couldn't see the other side of the fence because of the brushy fence row. So uh, a deer, he, was, he, was, he came right in because he couldn't see where the sound was coming from. But anyway, so my dad, in self-defense, <laughs> uh, pulls, up, pulls up his crossbow, and, and the, the buck sees him and uh, bounds off, I don't know, maybe 20 yards, and uh, turns broadside to look back, and uh, it was too late then. My dad shot him right through both lungs, and he called me right away, and uh, I came out, and we found the arrow, and there wasn't much blood in the field because it was kind of grassy and hard to follow. So the, the direction the buck ran, we, we just cut every trail, leaving that field and uh, we finally found a splatter of blood on one of the trails and mm -hmm. then we just followed it and he only the buck only went about 100 150 yards so that was that was cool when my dad got that buck mounted uh with his ears back and his hair bristled up like he was in the same pose he was when he oh, walked that's there. awesome so, that's cool. yeah so that that's it man <laughs> you know I, another thing that your dad did this is kind of the way i tied it all together Mm -hmm. Is your dad was a coon hunter early on, back whenever yeah. you guys were kids, right? Yep, yep. So, so you and I were at college the first freshman year, and you, you, we lived about an hour, maybe an hour and fifteen uh, minutes apart from each other growing up. And I, I, I think our paths may have crossed at church camp, but we don't know that. But uh, regardless of all that, uh, the first time I meet your dad was after your first, I think, semester. Maybe the first break came up, and you and I became good buddies, hanging out and doing a lot of stuff at college. 
And your dad walks in. I remember he's at the dorm room, and he's like, "Well, your name's Travis. That's Travis." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm friends with him." He said, "Now, where uh, where are you from?" I was like, "Well, I'm near Woodsfield, Ohio." And I always said that because it was the biggest town nearby. He goes, "Now, Woodsfield." He goes, "That's close to a town called Graysville, right?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, I, I actually grew up outside of Graysville." And he says, uh, "There's a guy there named uh, Randy Williams. You ever heard of him?" And I was like, yeah, that's my dad. He goes, oh, no kidding. He goes, I used to coon hunt with him all the time before Travis was born. So come to find out, you and I became friends at college just kind of at random. We were like our dorm rooms were right next to each other. And here before we were ever born, our dads were, were coon hunting together. My dad knew a guy up in Cambridge who was friends with your dad. And so they, they had coon hunted some back before we were even born. So I thought that was kind of neat. That is the end. And we're both named Travis. Do you think they ever talked about that? Yeah, I don't. I wonder about that. I do often wonder. And my dad, I think he, you know, he talked to Phil after, you know, after we had met and everything like that. And he asked that question. They couldn't remember if they had talked about it or not. But it's very possible that that's where uh, the name Travis came from, at least for one of us. You know, and the other person inherited it. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah. Jeff, before we uh, before we uh, close it down, there any any um, I've asked each person about this. What uh, outside of hunting, what are some things, um, like maybe one or two main things that you, you know that your dad definitely instilled in you and taught you as like a value or something uh, good like that? Okay. Yeah, well, my dad uh, grew up as a hardworking man, and he, he had the attitude of he, he he never knew he couldn't do something. So I've I've seen him fix things before, and uh, <laughs> and I'd be like, so you've done that before? He's like, no, that's, that's the first time I've ever seen that. So he had he had this mental attitude of it could it could always be done and and he always saw the the cup as half full and I think my my will to um, accomplish tasks and stuff comes from him. Um, he's also uh, a good Christian man. He, he taught me some really good Christian morals and um, both of my parents. I was raised in a in a good home and I um, I'm really appreciative of that. So. I, yeah. I just think there's there's a lot more good things could be said, but those are a couple that that stick out to me. So, absolutely. Well, Trav, thanks so much. I'm, I'm kind of surprised we were like what 24, 25 episodes in on this podcast. I haven't had you on officially yet, so yeah. we'll have to have you back on. You've got a lot of other good stories, and uh, appreciate you coming on and talking about your dad today. All right, thanks, Trav. All right, talk to you later. Yeah, bye. Bye. Ephesians six four. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up to discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Um, you know, I look back at my dad, and, and I had the, the privilege of preaching his funeral. And I said, you know, my dad is not perfect, uh, but he knew the one who was perfect. And and my dad, um, you know, there's a lot of things my brother and I are talking about, so much stuff that we wish our dad uh, would have taught us and things like that. But we look back on him, and we smile a lot because he was a good man. And he didn't have it all figured out. And that's the thing about being a father. If you're a father, you know uh, you're just trying to do the best that you can to raise your kids. And, and there's not a manual written that gives you all the, the ways to do that. But if I look at that verse, uh, I try not to just provoke my kids to anger. So I'm trying not to. I think what that means is, you know, there's a lot of dads that just sometimes are a little too harsh on their, their kids. Too much too much discipline, too much um, raising them like in a military kind of home 
And, and I think that can cause rebellion. That can cause, it can kind of break the spirit of a kid. Uh, on the flip side of that, if you don't discipline your kids at all, um, then, then you're going to have a lot of trouble later on. Um, it's hard to reel them back in in their teenage years. So trying to make that balance and just, I think the only way that I know how to do that is just to try and follow the Lord the best that I can and pass that on to my, my girls. And I look back at my dad with some pretty fond memories, you know, overall. And, and that's what you want. You want your kids to look at you and, and say, you know what, um, he wasn't perfect. Uh, I know what his faults are. But here's here's a guy that did his best to follow follow Jesus and live a good life, and I'm going to try and do the same. But I, I realize in saying all that that there are some people out there that might be struggling with this a little bit because you didn't have a very good dad, to be honest, or maybe you had an absentee dad. And um, so I just want to say to you that I'm, I'm sorry that that is your experience. And I know that this might sound like a platitude, um, but I do think that, that God is our Father. Um, I don't have a dad around anymore, and so I have some father figures in my life. Uh, once again, I think that's the importance of church, and we've talked about mentors before. But beyond that, um, I know that every morning whenever I wake up, I can talk to my Father in heaven. Uh, throughout the day, I keep in contact with him. Um, you know, there's so often I wish I could pick up the phone and talk to my real dad. And so oftentimes whenever I experience that um, that desire, I'll just I'll just say a prayer, talk to God, because I believe God can talk to my dad. Maybe I can't talk to him directly. I don't know how all that works exactly, but um, I talk to God and, and tell him, hey, say hi to my dad for me. And, you know, it, it's God that's ultimately leading my life and guiding me. So if you don't have a father, uh, you do have a father in heaven. So I just want to say to all those dads out there, I want to wish you a very happy Father's Day. Thank you uh, so much for listening to this podcast. Once again, if you have any stories on your dad or your mentor or your grandfather or something like that, go ahead and leave those in the comments. I'd love to hear some of those stories and um, you know see those on, on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Thank you guys again for listening. Hope that you have a great, great week. And remember to shed the light.